0: Go on, give us a smile. Go on, you know you want to. Well, if it's that bad, maybe you need a bit of help from G4 by Golpa. G4 by Golpa can give you brand new permanent teeth in just 24 hours. They'll give you a new smile that looks, feels, and functions just like natural teeth. Make your appointment today at yourteeth.com. That's yourteeth.com and save yourself $1,000 just by mentioning this podcast. G4 by Golpa. Powered by technology. Inspired by patients. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season Thirteen, Episode Ninety Nine. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, Steelers Depot.com. Thanks for being back with us here. This, uh, what do you want to call it? Here around midnight, I guess, on a Tuesday. By the time maybe people are listening to this day when I recording here, about ten thirty Eastern Time on Monday, the official first day of the legal NFL tampering period. The new league year begins. On Wednesday but Dave already two big stories related to the Pittsburgh Steelers just to kind of recap them off the top and then we'll dive into them more specifically cornerback Cam Sutton headed to Detroit and replacing him appears to be cornerback Patrick Peterson so Sutton out. Now- Peterson in, and it has been a busy day at Steelers Depot.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, the, uh, the legal tampering period kind of got off to a slow start. It's like somebody do something, uh, once the bell rang there, so to speak. But, uh, boy, once it started, uh, get going there, it really got going. And, uh, a lot of movement, as you said, two moves for the Steelers. You got, uh, Cameron Sutton, uh, off he goes off to Detroit. Sounds like a three year, $33 million deal, uh, sounds like 22 and a half million. Some way, shape, or form, some some form of some guarantees that 22 and a half looks or it looks like it's paid out over the first two of the three years there. Uh they used two void years uh on his three-year deal to help lower his cap. Uh, hit even more, so you know, assuming it is as it is reported. It looks like an 11 million dollar, uh, you know, average average yearly value uh, for him, and you know, good for him. I, you know, uh, you know, you hate to see that kind of player walk out the door. I mean, I be upfront and honest. I, I of, of any of their top unrestricted free agents that the Steelers had going into this offseason or going in, yeah, going into this offseason. I was pretty confident they were uh, they were going to sign him, especially come out of the combine and (laughs) excuse me, Omar Khan, you know, saying they've been in contract discussion with him and you know just knowing that they probably valued him as their top unrestricted free agent. uh, That wasn't it; they didn't value him enough, uh, evidently. And I almost wonder how much those guarantees, you know, played into this, and if this is the Steelers sort of kind of. You know, once again, trying to redraw that line on if you're not a top tier, uh, you know, uh, uh, d- d- you know, top five player or so at your position, that they're going to carry the hard line with the first year guarantees. Uh, now, uh, were they did they have their price maybe set uh, average yearly value a little bit lower, along with not not offering mm-hmm. you know the first two years essentially guaranteed. We'll probably we'll never know the answer to that uh, overall, but uh, uh, you can't fault Cameron Sutton. I don't, I don't guess in this situation here, but once again, I'm, you know, uh, quite honestly, I, I, I was surprised by that because once again, I, I thought he would be I thought he would be retained early on in this process.
0: I thought so, too. I was becoming maybe a little less confident in that as the last couple of days have gone by, just wondering what a team, you know, external team go offer Sutton more than what Pittsburgh was willing to offer. And obviously, I talked about kind of my mixed feelings a bit uh, repeatedly on this podcast and on the site about, you know, paying Sutton top 15 type corner n- uh, money. I think he's now the 16th highest paid corner when you have the deletions of William Jackson and names like that. Um, and, and and then having him get paid all that money, and then is he really your true number one corner? To me, is that you know really solid top tier number two type corner, but all a moot point now that he goes to Detroit. And so, really, I guess the theme of the day has been uh, the theme of the last couple of days has been cornerbacks because we didn't even talk about William Jackson getting released, which was a predictable, expected move, but one that Pittsburgh officially made nonetheless. And then Sutton goes out, and so you sat there wondering okay, this cornerback room's looking you know, pretty bare at that moment. And I think even though we'll talk about Patrick Peterson, the addition, what he'll bring to this team, but what I've said a couple times on Twitter today is that losing Sutton, trying to replace him, is probably going to be more than a one-man job. You know, Peterson alone is not going to replace the value that Sutton had, which was so rooted in his versatility, playing in the slot, playing outside, dime defender, rotating as a safety to spin Minka down and give different pre-snap looks and rotations. And trying to do that uh, with one guy is going to be really difficult to do. And so that's where I think you're going to really feel the loss of Sutton. He played his best football last year as an outside corner. But all that he gave you flexibility-wise defensively is something that a lot of guys don't have. And now Pittsburgh has to try to replace that.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. uh, The other thing you were saying about uh, Sutton, especially when we were talking about market values and all like them, are you going to pay this guy – you know, I I kept throwing out the 13 million right around there uh uh, uh potential market value what am you said are you going to pay you know are you going to pay a guy that uh potentially wouldn't travel or or sure. what you know wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't switch sides all that much well the guy that you signed uh you know I don't want to say replace one for one cuz yeah, I think you did a good job of uh, of, of, of reviewing all that Sutton gave your defense but you did get a guy a very experienced guy obviously everybody knows the name of Patrick Peterson heck go about five years ago and everybody you know was clamoring for for him to sign with the Steelers then but uh, you get a guy that has, has has more than been around the league knows how to play uh, uh, good locker room guys uh, at least from what I can tell pretty good communicator uh, in the back end of defense but here's a guy that uh, and i we'll get into what we've watched of tape so far here uh peterson you know was was a boundary Corner, uh, especially last year. I don't know. You'll have to tell us what you saw in the in the year before that tape. I think you watched the Steelers game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched the game uh, late last season against the Giants there. Uh, but a, a guy that can definitely play both sides, and you know, technically, if you needed him to, he could be a guy that travels uh, 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 against the teams. You know, number one. Uh, so this is a very experienced guy. Uh, overall and you know assuming he can stay healthy and he's been healthy over his career now you know Mm -hmm. Uh, he's missed very few games uh, over the course of uh, what 12 years in the NFL here and you know so it's a little bit you get him cheaper uh, average per year the Patrick Peterson contract at least the initial reports two years 14 million dollars it looks like you know, a little shy less than six million dollars guaranteed on this uh if it's structured the way I think that it's structured and we're still waiting to know the exact signing bonus and the exact base salaries in this but it looks like it's a hair over seven million dollars uh, for uh you know in total cash for 2023 with essentially a uh, slightly less than seven million dollar option if you want to call it that for uh for 2024 so if he plays well, Um, then, you know, he'll, he'll see the, the, the 2024 year. If he falls off the cliff, then, you know, you, 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 you have an out in that, but, uh, if you were, you know, the fact that you did lose the kind of player like Sutton, at least you've got a veteran guy, uh, uh, you know, that looks like he's going to mesh real well in that locker room. Looks like he can still play on tape to at least come in and replace him. And and on top of it, this still does not prevent you whatsoever, because we were talking even if this team re-signed Cameron Sutton, the odds were high that they were going to draft a cornerback early in this draft. They still probably are uh, on top of it. So, you know, a, a guy in Patrick Peterson, you would think would be willing to mentor whoever comes into that room uh on top of it and you know maybe whatever side he plays on too lets Mika kind of cheat somewhere else <laughs> you know a little bit uh uh you know when it calls for it in those situations there. So not the way I got out of bed. Uh I tell you what, uh reality late late this this evening uh Patrick Peterson posted an edit on his Twitter feed of him wearing number <laughs> wearing number seven uh that's not an image. That's not an edit image I woke up uh, and got out of bed thinking I was going to see today.
0: And the closest he'll get to seven in Pittsburgh is that Photoshop, because as he even tweeted out a little bit ago, that uh, he's aware that number seven is spoken for in, in Ben's now, you know, never to be worn again type category. So right. now he wore seven in the last years of Minnesota. He'll have to pick a new number. That's uh, the least of the concerns right now. But a funny quip as Patrick Peterson gets uh, introduced to. Steelers Nation, you're right on the outside as, a, as an outside corner, you know, who, who replaced Sutton in some sense, I think a, a leadership standpoint uh, above the next standpoint. Sutton, uh, Sutton was so well regarded for his football IQ, intelligence, and Peterson spoken about how despite maybe losing a step after turn 33 this summer, that he's gained so much knowledge and mentally processes the game so well and shouldn't have the communication busts. And that was a big thing last year. Mm -hmm. People you take for granted this team, this defense rarely busted the coverage last year. And that's thanks to, to a collective group of course, but Minka think if it's Patrick, really smart, heady assignment sound dudes that helped keep a lid on things. Overall, when they did get beat deep, it was generally due to some other issue. Occasionally there were blips Eagles game, for example, but I think across the board, this defense, especially the back half of the year, kept a lid on things and so hopefully peterson could do that i don't expect him to be the guy that travels i think he'll be just a a one side type of corner he has played both sides and so where where they want to put him you know we'll have to see but i don't think we'll be you know running when and, and walking out with jamar chase wherever he goes twice a year but it was a good replacement in that sense to uh to get some of those skills that sutton had on the outside again being that leader and just that really high football iq
1: yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I'm just saying that he gives you the ability if you wanted him to do that, you know. Uh, I think to 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 travel now more than you know. I would like to see him, you know, uh, uh, kind of do what 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 he did in this game against the Giants at least that I saw, and that's uh, you know p- you know, p- switch sides, you know, and and, and play the boundary side.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he can play both sides and so maybe there'll be opportunities just based on uh, occasional matchups or I I didn't get the sense he was playing like literally to the boundary side, you know, the close side versus the open side. I think he's kind of played, you know, both. Um but I don't think he's going to be the caliber of talent that's at, at his age where he's, he's kind of lost some juice and with his foot speed to to be that guy that's going to run with some of the best receivers in football. Okay. Um, so what are the thoughts here on Well, you want us to kind of focus more on Sutton briefly or just talk about Peterson or kind of combine uh, both moves because they feel so intertwined?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, what he's out the door now. So, you know, what 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 less is I mean, what's more to talk about there other than wondering why the why they weren't able to resign him. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you are you are going to be tasked with. How do you replace now some of the things that he gave you in certain packages?
0: Right. To me, the big question is, who's your slot cornerback on obvious right. pass downs next year? And Arthur Millette's still a Steeler, and he's that rundown-type corner that's out there against 12 personnel in first and 10, but he's a guy that cannot be out there end-to-half and the game, third and five-plus. And who do you replace him with last year? It really was a lot of Cam Sutton. James Pierre would kick out on the outside. Um, Trey Norwood has done that role a bit more his rookie year, but he's got to just make the team next year after coming off a disappointing 2022. And so there's really no internal guys that can play that slot. Levi Wallace really can't. James Pierre definitely cannot play the slot. And so that's something that I think has to be addressed. But to the point you made earlier, certainly this team is going to uh, to, to draft a cornerback and you're going to see cornerback mock in the first round probably even more than you were before, which is already quite a bit. So. Peterson is not going to preclude this team at all from drafting a corner high.
1: Yeah. I guess the only question is, is Joey Porter jr. There, or <laughs> is not he, I mean, it was already the, uh, pretty much has become the leader in the clubhouse, I think, uh, before today. And, uh, uh, you know, we'll have to see obviously how some, some, you know, maybe the, the, uh, the top 16 picks shake out the rest of the way, uh, you know, a big trade, a couple of, you know, big trades already, or, or at least that one trade, uh, with the, uh, with what the Panthers and the Bears and, you know, just, uh, and, and what does that do for, for Detroit maybe? Well, I think Detroit's after the Steelers, so that, you know, unless they traded up there, but, uh. Uh, That's going to be the question now is how many of these corners go off the board before 17 is, is, is Joey Porter going to be one that slides down that far. And, but once again, yeah, he was, it looked like he'd become the leader in the clubhouse in most of these mocks that you see uh, right now, you know, and you know, it's probably going to remain that way uh, after losing Sutton and gaining Patrick Peterson.
0: Yeah. He's going to look like Tyreek Hill in that, Whenever he ran hundred meter dash this this weekend, you know, just so out in front of everybody else. It's Porter and the rest of the field, it's gonna feel like when it comes to mock draft and projections. The good news is this year's cornerback class is as strong as basically any other position in the draft, maybe right up there with say tight end and the top heaviness of that quarterback class that has four guys that may go top ten. But cornerback is super deep, first round. But even if it's not first round for whatever reason, or Porter's not there. There are a ton of other options we've already talked about. Some we'll continue to discuss um, whether you're talking Cam Smith in South Carolina, Deontay Banks, Maryland, Julius Brunson, Kansas State. It's a really strong corner class. And so you're going to find talent, I think, even in day two with that 32 pick, that 49 pick. And that's going to give a great opportunity to bring somebody in. Um, How much of an impact they'll have right away, we'll have to see. Obviously, nobody can guess that uh, so far out. But. Um, the good news is it's a really good year to need a cornerback.
1: Right, right, and they're going to come away with at least one. And look, here's the thing: we still got a little bit of free agency to go here, and we'll see uh, if they're able to get them kind of a you know more of a nickel dime guy, you know, to play in the slot there.
0: Yeah. I'll have to do more research on who some of the top guys are. I saw, and I know that we've talked about him some, and I think Tyler Wise was tweeting about him earlier today, Clark Phillips from Utah, even Cam Smith. I I listened to an interview with South Carolina's pro day was today and they talked about, uh, he talked about how some teams are trying to project him inside as a slot corner. And so that's a, I think a guy people should really consider Cam Smith from South Carolina. um, Although Pittsburgh, not at that pro day today, at least in terms of Mike Tomlin, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit, but um. Yeah. Can you find that slot type? Because again, Millette cannot be your every down guy. They tried that for a brief time last year, and it was a really bad experience. And so, there's got to be something else there,
1: right? So, well, and it doesn't look. Is there much out there in free agency right now at this point? Probably not, right?
0: I'll have to check. Um, I hadn't looked at a list of maybe more slot focused type corners. I'm sure there's a couple names out there. I mean, there's not that he's a. Uh, the guy, but Ugo Amadi that you talked about. A while oh, back he signed. He signed oh, he signed. he signed.
1: Yeah, he signed with the Saints. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, never mind. Uh, a few, a few days ago. Day.
1: Yeah. I, meant, okay. I, I don't know if I, I maybe I didn't tweet that out. But uh, yeah, I uh, I saw that he did uh, did sign with the Saints.
0: OK, well, never mind then on that. So, yeah, we'll have to go back and check and we'll see what moves Pittsburgh makes. Yeah, because it is. I mean, the, the league year is not even technically started yet. And so, you know, there's going to be time for this team to add if they want to. But back to Peterson, uh, he's got a podcast. He
1: signed he's- a – uh, <laughs> he just signed for a one-year minimum contract uh, according to over to CAP as well, too, a veteran. I mean, a, uh, a veteran benefit contract that comes with a uh, uh, lowered CAP number of 940000 So So uh, you think if he had to do it all over – you know, we don't know if the students were interested. Maybe there was something that kept him away or something like that. But right. uh, you, can't, you can't get that guy in your building, you know?
0: Sure, point taken. And and
1: I'm not saying that was the end all do all. And I Mm -hmm. I never never thought that, but it would have gave you one more option to at least look at, you know.
0: Right. This team could use some options right now. But back to Patrick Peterson, right after the signing was uh, announced, and again cannot be made official until Wednesday. But Peterson jumped on a podcast, all things covered, that he's been co-host of for a while now with former Steelers cornerback Bryant McFadden. Maybe that kind of helped push Peterson to Pittsburgh a little bit. And so Peterson explained. why he signed signed with Pittsburgh, said this kind of came out of left field, really wasn't necessarily his first thought or expectation. Starting free agency, talked about some other teams were interested, including Minnesota, potentially trying to re-sign in, but just talked about how stable Pittsburgh's been and obviously the love for Coach Tomlin and just a chance to, to try to get back in the playoff race. And so I tweeted earlier that Mike Tomlin is the best coach in the NFL on selling his team and selling the opportunity to win and win a championship, even if the odds of that happening in 23 probably aren't aren't all that great. But that happened with Miles Jack last year. Jack saying mm-hmm. the first thing that Mike Tomlin asked him was, you want to come win a Super Bowl? And Jack said, I'm in. And it sounds like a pretty similar conversation occurred between Mike Tomlin and Patrick Peterson.
1: I tell you, Bryant McFadden's not bad at selling the Steelers either. Uh, if he <laughs> yep. if he ever, uh, God forbid, he ever needs work, I'm sure he could go to work for the Pittsburgh Chamber of Commerce, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. Had the Super Bowl trophies and everything on that on uh,
1: And obviously, they've done that podcast for a while and uh, uh, good, good friends. And it was good to see. Uh, hey, kudos to McFadden. A, a, a signing like that, you can hop on your own podcast. Uh, literally, with I guess in about an hour of it happening, and and you get the exclusive there. So uh, I know he works hard at his craft. So, uh, good for uh, good for Bryant McFadden on that. Uh, take you back to what Mike Tomlin said about Patrick Peterson. Uh, during uh, I I guess it was a Tomlin Tuesday. When when was that Vikings Steelers game? And uh, it was late in, later on in two thousand and twenty one. Was that a was that a, was night? a
0: night game? It was a primetime yeah. game. Yeah.
1: Okay, so maybe it was still a Tomlin Tuesday, but I went back and chased down the quote from that. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin always opens up and talks about the other teams and all like that. And he got to talking about uh, briefly about Patrick Peterson. he says, Pat P can play off. He can play bump. He's a he's physical in coverage. He's physical versus a run. So, uh, that was Mike Tomlin's, uh, assessment of Patrick, Patrick, Peterson before the Steelers played the Vikings, uh, in, 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 in 2021 there. And I believe you, uh, uh, I believe you just got done watching that all 22, right? So why don't you be in that was the earlier game than from what I watched. Tell me what you saw.
0: Yeah. Still trying to look at the, uh, the collection. I want to get a couple more games in. I'm two games in right now that, um, what that else Steelers you game last year and the Eagles game th- in 22, I wanted to see him against A.J. Brown, Devonta okay. Smith, and just that Eagles offense. Obviously, you're seeing the football IQ, um, reading, diagnosing. Um, you know, tr- you can't run a double move on this guy. He's going to uh, know what you're doing and just that football IQ and film study tendency and where routes break. I mean, he is able to, to diagnose the out and ups and the slant and goes and all that kind of stuff and really mirrors that th- those things really well. Um, he's a guy that um, is probably better in zone than man right now. I know that some of the metrics say that Minnesota was one of the most zone-heavy teams last year in Pittsburgh, one of the most man-heavy teams. And I know some of the chatter from Vikings fans was this guy in man coverage, the times that Minnesota ran out last year, not at his best football. And I think you see some of that. My concern with Peterson is those those receivers who can change speed and tempo and have that second gear at the top of their route. And I saw that with Deontay Johnson, for example, in that uh, game two years ago, gave Peterson some fits. He can still run a little bit, but when guys, it makes it look like they're going to break down a bit, not on a, on a double move, but just kind of changing speeds and tempo. Can Peterson kind of have that gear to get going again? I, I see some concerns there. And so if Pittsburgh is going to be as man heavy in 23 as they were in 22. That could be an issue, but they can change scheme and Pittsburgh's going to play some off man coverage as well. And so it's not always press and bump and run and, and going to ask those guys to be hyper athletes. Cam suddenly by wall, it's not hyper athletes had nice years in 22. So Overall, on on Peterson is that good football IQ, read, process, diagnose. Can he just handle some of those really bursty, you know, changing tempo receivers? That's where I start to get worried
1: okay uh I watched the Giants game from last year and boy you want one where you can see every 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 bit of uh a lot of everything out of him that's that's I think that's a good game to choose uh uh he did you know obviously switch sides a lot in that game, in that game and uh, mostly was uh uh on, on the boundary lined up they did. You know he played off quite a bit in in that game, obviously. Uh, and but you know right from the get go, I you know you see him uh, on an out, uh, do a speed turn and get there about the time that the ball uh, is there. On the flip side, that game has good, bad, and 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 every everything in between when it comes to uh, Patrick Peterson, in my my opinion. Uh, you actually get to see him come off the edge in that game and get uh, uh, get a hand on Dan, Dan, Daniel Jones in that game. Uh, you get to see, uh, charge with a touchdown in that one looked like there might've been some mis- miscommunication on that one. I thought he probably thought he was going to pass it off there, but then had to keep uh, running with the receiver and then gave up the touchdown, uh, in a, in a red zone opportunity on that. You do get to see a little bit of that double move that you talked about that him get, uh, get beat with. I think, whoa, one of them he was thrown at and the other one, uh, the other the other one I, I, I have notated, He I don't think he, he did get notated at, but I do think uh, he does maybe have a tendency to kind of bite on that. And then, once again, uh, when he gets going the other way, uh, will some of these better wide receivers with, with, with that, that, that can switch gears uh, keep that separation on him? Uh, conversely, there's a great interception by him with him uh, uh, undercutting a route in the middle of the field. Uh, on that, uh, that's good, uh, pass breakup. I think he had two or three, maybe in that game. He also had a pass interference in that game. So, uh, a lot of everything, if you want to turn on the tape on the giants, I, I came away feeling pretty, pretty fine about him, you know, overall, I think he's still got it overall. Uh, it will be interesting as as you mentioned to see him, uh, have to potentially play more man, you know, so Mm -hmm. That I think would, will be the, the biggest question overall with him, I think is how does he transition to potentially more man situations? And that's really about, I think I I come away with the only, only real question about him. You don't really get to see him tackle all that much, uh, in, 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 in that game overall. Uh, it was one instance of, uh, uh, him being pretty physical with a wide receiver right close to that mark where you're not allowed to hit them, mm-hmm. you know, after they uh, released the ball, wasn't thrown that way, but he knocked the receiver down on the ground in that, that instance there. Uh, once again, I think two or three pass breakups in that game had the interception, uh, was, uh, was charged with a touchdown down in the red zone over there, but he—he, he, uh, you see another thing that stuck out to me too. Uh, some communication in there. You really see him using his arms and and, and trying to communicate with mm-hmm. uh, with the defense in there. And uh, the other, you know, the other thing we uh, at least what's in there, you do get to see him come off the edge as well too.
0: Yeah, I, I think just to. to... I think with the double moves, I think he does a good job to not not bite on them. I mean, everybody k- sometimes will occasionally get beat, but I sure, think overall- and he had help.
1: He had help on the one, right? Or, you know, uh, over the top to his side. Uh, although the safety was a little bit late, I uh, you know kind of think going over there, and it ended up being incomplete on, on the one specifically that I'm talking about there. But uh, you know, he, he 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 did bite down low on it. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes the scheme allows you to be aggressive if you know you have help there. Sure. and So you're, you're more willing to maybe, you know, give something up vertically. I think overall, just in, in, the, in the two games that I've watched so far, maybe if I watch more, I'll come away with a different opinion and I'll definitely go back and watch that game. But I thought he has a really good understanding of, again, where routes break and double moves, because if a route doesn't break at a certain depth for that route to be run, then, you know, it's just, you know, a, a sure. dummy break, basically, and you're not going to uh, fall for it. But I think. You know, and he's, was, he's
1: done it for 12 years too. And again, right. some of the top top wideouts in the league as well, too. So
0: yeah, that that's That comes from experience of just getting beat, probably when you were a rookie and second year guy and learning, okay, this is this is how you play football. And he talked about you know losing some of that speed, but gaining it back when it comes to knowledge and processing and just general football IQ. So I think he'll be good there. Again, when you talk about some of these routes that You know, some of these guys come off their route route a little bit slow um, on post to try to, you know, fool which way this thing's going to go, and then they really burst and and they're running a post. I think James Washington in that Vikings game had a touchdown on a post where he kind of, you know, created space at the top there as he stuck stuck his foot in the ground and 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 took off to the middle of the field, and and Peterson had trouble keeping up. And so you kind of worry about in those moments, not double moves, but just changing speed and tempo. Again, I think that's going to be the concern. If Pittsburgh's going to play a lot of man coverage in twenty three
1: once again I, I have only had the time to watch the one game and and that was the Giants game and i I didn't come away with a sinking feeling or anything like that from that one game so uh, obviously by the time hopefully by the time next Friday or by the time Friday rolls around I'll have a couple more from last season uh, under my belt there but uh, uh I, I don't you can win with them you know playing something,
0: yeah, I think he had a good year. I mean, he had five picks last year, he you know, was healthy. And if you care about the metrics, he was uh, the 10th ranked cornerback by PFF standards. And so, to be you know 32 years old and still playing that kind of ball, I think maybe in his time later in Arizona, it was kind of starting to come down. You thought, okay, that's going to be it for him, and he's kind of been able to reinvent himself in Minnesota. Um, and then so I don't think he's he's approaching the cliff, but uh, you obviously he's going to be 33. and Another thing just to note here, talk about some of the differences between Omar Khan, Kevin Colbert. You never heard of a 30-plus-year-old defender getting signed by Pittsburgh unless maybe you had already been in the organization before. And so this Willie is kind Williams. Of a departure. <laughs> yeah, like a Willie Williams. So this is a, a pretty big departure there to have that kind of age. That's why I never even thought about him just because I was right. going to assume until proven wrong, and now we're changing our mindset, that 30-plus defender is not going to be the guy in Pittsburgh. But obviously, uh, welcome Patrick Peterson. He's, he's 32.
1: Well, that's one of the things we we talked about with the changeover to to con, right? What's what are some of these things that 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 are potentially going to change? Uh, uh, and look, it, it doesn't sound it sound like this came together pretty quick, right? With him,
0: yeah, he says he was he came out of left field, was not expecting it, so yeah, it seems pretty quick.
1: So you know, are we to assume that the Steelers maybe thought they were in this thing with Sutton until they weren't?
0: That's, well, we, we we don't know right now, but that's probably a pretty fair assumption. It doesn't sound like Peterson was had his agent at the combine talking to Pittsburgh and kind of felt like, okay, Pittsburgh's going to be in play here. So uh, I, I feel like some of the reporting last couple of days have been talking about how Sutton, though no NFC North teams might be interested in, he might not stay in Pittsburgh. So I don't feel like Pittsburgh was in it until the last second. I feel like they maybe made an offer over the weekend on Friday, their best type offer and Sutton said, eh. I'm going to test the market. So if I had to kind of guess, I think that's how it's going to go. It was maybe a complete shock that uh, t- to Pittsburgh that they lost Sutton. But I think obviously things came together pretty quickly when it comes to Peterson.
1: In other words, once they knew they was out with, uh, they, you know, and who knows, maybe they had a couple quick conversations with Peterson's agent, just testing them, you know, uh, ahead of time. in just in case something did fall through, but the, 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 the way I kind of take this was okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sutton, you know, Sutton wants us to top this offer or whatnot. We're not going to do it. Uh, who's 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 the first guy on our call list? You know,
0: right. And even Peterson, when he was speaking with McFadden, said some of the details still had to be ironed out. And so it doesn't sound like this deal was kind of already in place and discussed a while ago. And that, you know, because everybody talks before the legal tampering period. And so it does kind of feel like it was still being put together, even though there was kind of a verbal agreement about maybe some basic framework and structure um, of the contract. So. Again, we'll never know for sure. And Peterson's in Pittsburgh, and, and really, that's all that matters. But that's kind of my read on the situation.
1: Hey, here, here's the thing about him on that Giants tape as well. Too, you really don't. I mean, uh, get to see him, you know, uh, uh, attack the run or anything like that, you know. So you don't get a really good good sense about run defense from that one one game tape. I'll tell you this: uh, he, you know, he wasn't the first one to the pile, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all, all the time. But you know, he he's still. I mean, look, he's a big dude, right? You know, yeah. uh, physical dude too. So I, I, I don't, you know, we'll see what the rest of the. T- what'd you. Uh, do, I'm trying to remember how much the Steelers ran in that game. They
0: were yeah, I, I had a, I had a couple of notes just on Peterson. I thought in the actual run game, he would, wasn't as aggressive and as physical as I would have liked him to be, filling right. holes and kind of, as you said, finishing the play. I thought, though, in open field, when you had to make a tackle, he was pretty downhill, had a tackle on Ray Ray. Um, good close downhill and forceful and there was no hesitant. Uh, he was not hesitant at all in terms of attacking the football that happened later in the game. So I thought an open space against receivers pretty solid. I thought in the run game not not ideally what you want.
1: All right. Well, uh, that's pretty much my takeaway from the Giants game. Once again, I've just got the one game and you've got, I guess, one and a half in you, right?
0: Yeah, well two, I finished the second. Okay. Um, but still need to watch more because I've only seen one from twenty two. So I want to get, you know, recent eyes on him and, and all of that. But surprising overall, but pretty exciting. And I feel like this is a guy that Mike Tomlin has watched for such a long time, oh, yeah. loves the pedigree, loves eight time Pro Bowler, three time all pro, like one of those dudes. It's just to, to be a corner at thirty-two, still playing I think pretty good football, not many guys can do that. And so I think there's a respect, admiration. I don't know how much Tomlin has publicly spoken about. Peterson, I think he was on the podcast that you referenced a year or so ago, and obviously they, they, they spoke, um, but I feel like there's a lot of respect between both those guys.
1: Sure, and he should mesh in that room or in that locker room real well.
0: Yeah, now he talked about he's not the rah-rah type leader. I guess he's kind of more, you know, you you learn by watching him as opposed to him really kind of taking you under his wing. But I think obviously he'll be willing to help whoever he needs to help and just getting to watch this guy work and prepare. And he didn't um, go into detail, but he said something to the effect of the way he trains is different than any other guy that he knows. I don't know what that means. I don't know how he trains, but just a guy that kind of marches to the beat of his own drum and just consistent, steady, available. You know, again, just a resume and pedigree any young corner should and will watch what he does and, and follow what he does.
1: All right. That time gap in between the Sutton news and the Patrick Peterson news, what was going through your head?
0: <laughs> a lot of things. I mean, just kind of bummed about Sutton. What a great story and wish him well, obviously. And you just kind of wondering about, okay, how do you replace him? How do you replace the leadership? Because he was the the leader after Hayden, you know, left uh, two years ago. And so who are you going to replace from that aspect? And corner becomes a big need and you still got other needs for this team to fill. So kind of thinking about, okay, what corner could they sign? There weren't any great cornerback options out there. And you mentioned Rocky Sin, that kind of felt like a a plausible option, but then obviously things pivoted pretty quickly to Patrick Peterson.
1: All right. So based on what was coming off the, off uh, uh, getting signed at the moment, who's available, uh, you know, uh, I think for the loss that they had, I mean, I think you can do worse than Patrick Peterson.
0: Sure. I think so, too. Um, and it was quick. I mean, last year, Trubisky, first day of the legal tampering period, you know, that was essentially done and agreed to verbally. And now first day this year, you know, Peterson comes in. So it's not uh let's be really cautious and wait and let the first wave go past. It's, it's Pittsburgh seeing their guy and getting their guy.
1: I tell you, for a little bit, I was staring at that list that I put out on uh, on, on 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 the Twitter machine. Uh, Steeter cornerbacks under contract right now before after they lost Sutton and 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 before they signed Peterson, Akella Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, Arthur Millette, Duke Dawson, Madre Harper, Chris Wilcox. And if you want to, we still don't know anything about these restricted tenders yet. But uh, right. uh, you have to think, ja- uh, you think James Pierre will be back but uh, he's not officially back yet on. Uh, we haven't heard anything about any of the tenders yet, but you look at that list overall and I, I just kind of thought, man, what, you know, surely they're not going to go into the draft like this, you know?
0: Yeah. You knew they were going to add somebody question is just what level of caliber of player would that be? Would that be the slam dunk starter that Peterson I, I expect and should be, I mean, you know, we'll see how Witherspoon. a spoon, I assume with spoons not getting cut at this point. And so it'll be, you know, with a draft pick, you assume Peterson draft pick, uh, Witherspoon and Wallace, and then let's assume Pierre gets tendered or brought back in some capacity, that's probably your group next year. But I imagine Peterson, he wasn't coming here to, to be a backup or mm-hmm. be a rotational-type guy, so it should be him and Levi Wallace starting week one.
1: I would think so from where we sit right now, yep.
0: But again, sub packages, let's say one of those guys comes on the field. Let's just say it's Witherspoon. I don't know who's bumping inside. So there's kind of a lot. I mean, they could try Levi. They did a little bit last year. It did not go well. They were kind of getting beat on overs and just didn't feel comfortable. And he's not really done much of that. If you had to pick a guy right now, I guess it would be Levi Wallace. But I think there's certainly a, a lot of work to be done there.
1: All right, outside of that, all quiet. Uh, Sutton's the only unrestricted guy they, they've lost uh, at the time of this recording. That means the Larry Yogan Jobys and the Terrell Edmonds and the Spillanes and the Gentries are, are, are still you know out there right now. And as we mentioned, none of, I, want, I almost wonder if this market's going to hurt these uh, restricted guys. Uh, in, in other words, might the students be able to bring – a couple of these restricted guys back, but not at nearly $3 million on, on, on a restricted tender.
0: Sure, that's because awesome. nor-
1: Normally, we get this news by now, right? It, it flushes out one way or the other. And in fact, around the league, it, it and I haven't been religiously watching for other teams' restricted free agents, but I haven't seen a lot of news on that.
0: Yeah, I hadn't paid close attention. I know a couple guys have been tendered, but I think I have not heard a lot of action there, so I'm not sure... Uh, what the rationale, what the reason could be there. But yeah, it's been all quiet. And so where I kind of pivot towards now, not ignoring cornerback, you still have work to do there, but defensive line, because right now it's Kim Hayward and a lot of unknowns. And so Ogunjobi, what's his status? You know, there's still time. Obviously, we're not panicking, but you do wonder about that inside linebacker for as deep of an inside linebacker for agency class as it was 24 hours ago. It's, it's pretty. Ch- up. It's drying up right now yeah. because all those guys, and it was pretty cheap. I mean, no one got paid. As much as I think people thought he would get paid, I thought T.J. Edwards came in pretty recently. Price, same with David Long. You know, yeah. Tremaine Edmonds obviously got paid handsomely, but not maybe quite at the level people thought that he would. And so, um, I don't think it was Price was not the reason why Pittsburgh didn't sign some of these guys that we know of at least. And so, um, you kind of wonder about the plan of action there.
1: Boy, from uh, I guess about the time that a uh, little past time that, that, that the Sutton news came in, boy, those, those linebackers really started going at, at at that, at that point there. And as you mentioned, some of them for surprising, kind of surprising deals, a couple of them maybe feel like potential overpays, but uh, uh, yeah, that, that list has gotten short now.
0: Yeah, still a couple of names. Leighton Van Der Esch, uh, Rashawn Evans. I think Jonathan had mentioned earlier, he was a guy that Pittsburgh was highly interested in uh, whenever he came out of the draft. I think Pittsburgh would have taken him had he not been off the board. So that's a name to look for. But I, I think maybe some aspect of this might just be they're going to resign Roberts Blaine and go draft somebody because maybe they're just tired of doing the whole free agent type thing and, and striking out, which they have repeatedly over the last, you know, post Jay era, era, last five years or so. And so. Um, I wonder if that's gonna be their plan. Is Miles Jack, Mark Robinson in year two, re-sign Spillane and go draft somebody within their top three picks?
1: Seems like it was a good day for offensive linemen around the league, right?
0: It always is in free agency. There's that offensive line tax when it comes to free agents because it's, there's such a scarcity there, you're gonna have to get paid. And so Chris Lindström got, you know, $105 million and Mike McClinchy getting paid out there and in Denver, um, Nate Davis going to Chicago, Andre Diller getting a pretty good contract for Tennessee. So your offense alignment are always costly because there's such a, so few players out there that have experience, have talent, have youth, usually there's somebody's missing in, in some aspect there. And so the guys that are quality get paid and probably a bit overpaid just because of the supply demand aspect of offense alignment.
1: And I guess other news kind of related more to the AFC, uh, Calais Campbell cut loose by the uh, Ravens early in, 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 in the day they lost, uh, Ben, uh, who was the guard, uh,
0: Ben Powers.
1: Yeah. Ben Powers. Uh, they lost, uh, oh, what else happened? Uh, the ba- yeah. the Bengals lost both their safeties.
0: Yeah. Jesse Bates to Atlanta, Vaughn Bell to Carolina, Javon Hargrave to San Francisco, apparently came down to Cleveland or San Fran. So we thank you the 49ers for signing him. Didn't want to see Hargrave and, and face him twice a year. And Hargrave. What, $20 million per year? So hats off to him.
1: And it sounds like, according to Ian Rappaport right now, the Browns are expected to sign former Vikings defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson.
0: All right. That's a big, big run stuffer right there. So all they right. need a D-line help. It's been the talk all offseason in Cleveland is they got to shore up that defensive line. Andrew Barry was too analytical and not uh, valuing that position enough. I know you talked about Tomlinson a bit. Now you got to see him twice a year.
1: All right. And looks like Draymond Jones earlier in the day to the Seahawks. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi has got to be up on the near the top of that list now. Right.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure who le- who else is uh, left. I'm sure he's probably one of the better names, but one and a half sacks last year. I know, you know, it's not the sale end all, but these guys get paid for sacks. That's why Chicago was going to give him a bunch of money. And so that might be hurting his market a little bit.
1: Uh, let's see here if I can highlight real quick, some defensive tackles, uh,
0: Zach but Zach Allen getting paid by Denver oh, too. And, and him he's to get paid a lot, yeah. that was more than what I thought it would be.
1: Yeah. Good for him too. He's he's yeah. uh good for him. Uh let's see. I think uh what Fletcher Cox still out there? Do you see mm-hmm. anything on Fletcher Cox? David, uh no, he signed. No, he with signed Falcons. with
0: Atlanta, yeah.
1: Uh Brockers, who's thirty three, I think, is still
0: out there. A- I neither Robinson, two yeah. guys that I've been targeting.
1: Yeah. Uh Rankins, did he go anywhere yet? No. I don't think he did. What about Jordan Phillips with the Bills? He's still out there. He's on a void, and they've had interest in him in the past, right? I
0: think they tried to claim him a couple uh, more than a couple years back. So, yeah, that's a big guy in the middle.
1: Uh, You start getting past that, though. Uh, David uh, or Derek uh, Noddy from uh, the Chiefs, I think, still on sign.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, we'll uh, see what Joby gets. He'll get paid decently. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that number is going to be. I don't know. I, I think it'll be, you know, six, seven, eight million about what he got this past year. But again, I think he's looking multi-year. He wants that two, three-year deal. He doesn't want to do the whole one-year deal thing. That's what he had to accept this past year in Pittsburgh. So I think he's looking for that long-term commitment, at least the illusion of long-term commitment.
1: All right. At $7 million uh, APY for Patrick Peterson, that's going to be the most expensive uh, free hmm. agent the Steelers signed this offseason.
0: Yeah, I'll say it is. I, I said, and I, I didn't anticipate them losing Sutton, so I'm kind of maybe being a little uh, loophole here, but I thought they were going to have kind of a splashier signing than, than maybe what some people thought. It wasn't going to be all dumpster dives, and so I'll say that's their, their big offseason signing.
1: Yeah, uh, you would think at some point here they're going to start turning to their own, right?
0: Yeah, I'm really surprised. Nobody else, not even a Gentry. Right. Is there a concern about Gentry getting paid a bit more because we just saw that Josh Oliver <laughs> get seven million? He's regarded. We I mean, talked he about
1: he's got, that.
0: He's got fewer catches than Gentry, regarded as a good blocker. And I'm not, you know, that was an eye-popping deal. And obviously, Gentry's not going to get that. At least I don't think. But Jesse James got paid more than we thought. Does Oliver get paid more? I know it's a good tight end class. It's a good overall tight end class, though. But is Gentry going to get even? It bumps him up a little bit, an extra yeah. million or two. Just a thought that that I certainly can't escape.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, this thing will. I, I know uh, today was a busy day, but uh, this thing will probably crawl to a. But uh, by the time Wednesday, by the time the real signing period starts, this thing will probably crawl. Crawl at that point, you
0: know. But they got to get some of these guys signed. I mean, if they let all, if all these guys are hitting the market, some of them may return. But uh-huh. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna lose just chunks of this roster: Spillane and Edmonds and Casey and. Gentry and just the list goes on and on.
1: I mean, you look 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 at the list, right? Ogan Joby, uh, yeah. uh uh they're not gonna re-sign Devin Bush, we don't think. Chris Wormley, obviously, later in the summer. Derek Watts still out there. Uh Edmonds, obviously, Spillane, Casey. Uh man, get get Casey and Edmonds locked up now. Uh what else we got here?
0: I mean, I think that's the and then there's the that's tenders the, too. what's going right, to happen with the tenders. Right. Um, but again, I, I think in terms of where my primary focus looks at now is defensive line, because who do you have? I mean, right. honestly, can and we've said win?
1: we've said that, you know, right. all, all, all offseason, you know, even if you bring Ogan Joby back, though, you know, you're still going to address that in the draft. Oh, what about Mike Tomlin? Where is he going to be tomorrow, Alex?
0: He's going to be at Clemson. Shock, shock there. Yeah. Brian McFadden kind of spilled the beans there talking with Peterson said that Tomlin texted McFadden that he was really excited to bring in Pat Pete, but said that he's at uh, Clemson. And I imagine he's probably just getting done with a meal with all the top names there. Brian Brisset and Trenton Simpson, Miles Murphy, etc. So it has been, I've been really frustrated trying to find some of these Steelers guys. They're hiding really good this year, Um, <laughs> but at least we'll have that on Tomlin. And, and, and I assume some other Steelers will be joining Tomlin tomorrow.
1: Tell them about the, uh, uh, incoming uh, draft pre-draft visitors we know of right now.
0: Yeah, we're at three right now. Offensive tackle One Jones from Ohio State. Uh, Defensive lineman Jervon Dexter from Florida and one that just came in today on Monday morning. It was Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida. Florida. So two two Gators coming in and then the big man One Jones from Ohio State. So it's only three names out of 30 but a pretty clear theme so far of the big trench guys.
1: All right. Uh, What else?
0: Uh... Well, I do want to mention just quickly on Torrance. You know, we talked about with Dexter that there's that connection between Carmichael Dunbar, the son of Steelers defense line coach, Carl Dunbar, who works at Florida. Well, before Dunbar went to Florida, he was at Louisiana. And who else was at Louisiana? Osiris Torrance. And he transferred in 2022, uh, like Dunbar going to Florida in 2022. So if there's one guy that knows Osiris Torrance as well as basically anybody, it's Carmichael Dunbar the son of Carl Dunbar. So some extra insight there.
1: Connecting the dots and, the, and playing the blues clues. That's what we do.
0: That's what we do, for sure. Uh, anything else, Dave? I'm just kind of trying to look through right now.
1: Yeah, I don't want to run this too long because the news cycle will uh, catch up with us here pretty soon. But I, you know, we just wanted to get on. We we chose not to have a podcast earlier today because nothing had happened really since Friday, and uh, we knew. Uh, what about uh, Tomlin on the uh, Ben Barothasberger podcast? That's that's yeah. another thing why we held off for the, for right. the morning show.
0: Still listening through, but um, you know, obviously Ben didn't want to ask any too touchy questions about, you know, current day events. It, it does sound like though, Tomlin on the competition committee, I think Matthew's going to write this for the morning for Tuesday morning, that the league is probably not going to do anything with the whole Eagles, you know, quarterback sneak push, push situation. Mm. It sounds like they're going to let the league try to, they're going to let defenses see how they can counter that this year in 23. And they still can't really stop, it. then maybe gets revisited uh, two years from now. And so Tomlin said that he's talked to some defensive guys and basically the defense's best counter to this is going to be pushback, and what that looks like, I'm not quite sure, but it's going to be a rugby scrum, I think, in 2023.
1: Okay, and I did see a little bit on. I haven't even gone to look at the official release of what's you know uh, was was brought up by all the teams, but uh, there seems to be talk about maybe only having one cut, right? should be no
0: cuts that should be the rule but i'll take they had that a couple of years ago where they think they only had one cut then they reversed it i think during covid to try to you know reduce roster sizes and i guess exposure and it just it's all dumb um who is the team i think is it the eagles or the panthers that want to try to bring back the number zero which i'm all for people should be able to wear number zero
1: yeah yeah I'm, I, and i think they want kickers to be able to wear whatever right Pretty much oh, right. a, I didn't even a, see that. 80s, 90s or so. I think Ooh, I saw.
0: that's a strange like that. sight. Yeah. Yeah. Had a couple of Steelers. Johnny Zero Clement wore that back in the day. So I want to want to see that. I think another team had that quarterback, emergency quarterback type rule where kind of that third guy could come in when they have to. So they just listen to our terrible takes and they just, uh, I think crowdsource that and they go. tell the NFL to go do it.
1: All right. What else uh, we got? Uh, infinite scrolling, uh, we think, is now implemented on steedersdepot.com. So there might be a few bugs that we try to work through on that. But we've had some people reach out and ask us about that. We've tried. We uh, we didn't pick the ideal time to do it. But uh, we, we think we've worked through most of the problems, so hopefully you're enjoying the front page. Uh, we get so much work done, so many posts up in a day that are falling off the front page, and hopefully the infinite scrolling will make it easier for, for, for people to find the info and not have to, especially if they're on mobile, of, of using the pagination at the bottom or anything like that. So, all right, shall we be back at it possibly on Wednesday? Yeah, or
0: whenever, I guess, more news breaks, who the heck knows what will happen. I imagine there's going to be some movement here in the next 24, 48 hours, even if it is just resigning some of those guys. And so we'll keep you posted for sure. But uh, a fun first day, Dave.
1: Uh, You got a film room on PP coming in the morning, right?
0: Yeah, Patrick Peterson, just going to be a broader review. I'll go through a couple more games tonight, just give some initial impressions. I think I was talking with Owen Straley some. He wants to do something more specific. I don't know exactly what that's going to be yet. Um, but Owen's going to probably do some film and breakdowns and those are always fantastic. And tip of the hat to uh, Scott Brown, our editor starting today and, uh, talk about getting thrown in the deep end. He had a, an eventful day, but did a great job. We're happy to have him on board as the site's first ever full-time editor.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I don't think he's quit yet. And boy, it was a busy day. We'll out tomorrow <laughs> a busy day to start. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, happy to have him on the staff. Good job, Alex. Good job by the crew. Good, uh, thank you to everybody who uh, visited the, the 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 site and uh, interacted with us on Twitter on Monday. Alex, I'll be back when we're back and. Probably probably Wednesday at some point, I would think. And uh, in the meantime, who knows? Maybe we'll be doing another one of these tomorrow night. I don't know. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do doing, want to donate to the cause at SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button, upright navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version, SteedersDepot.com, hit the ad-free button, upright navigational bar. As always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Find what you love.